Alright, um, this morning, what I want to do is talk about our theme for this year, the year 2021, and I want to kind of take my time and go through this so that we can all be on the same page, we can all have a good understanding of what we are believing God for in 2021. As you will see, if you could put it up on the screen for those in the balcony who don't have a clear view of the banner up behind me. As you will see, our theme is greater prayer, greater power, greater presence. Now, I'm going to explain that, and you will understand exactly what that's all about. But that's our theme for 2021. And in that connection, I am going to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 8 through verse 17. And this is going to be my text this morning from which I am going to preach about this theme. John 14, beginning at verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, you are the author and you are the teacher of the word. And so we ask that you will fulfill that ministry in our hearts and lives today. We pray that you'll give us insight, give us understanding, give us revelation of the truth of God's word. That we may be able to apply it to our lives. That we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as the Apostle Paul said, that we may know him. And so bless the ministry of your word today, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Our, 20 Whoa. Our 2020 theme was three words, prayer, power, presence. And that was taken from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 1. And it says, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven 
and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When Solomon finished praying, that was the prayer, fire came down from heaven, God's power, consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That's God's presence. Now we saw the, ful the fulfillment of this throughout 2020. Presence, uh, pardon me, prayer, power, and presence. As far as prayer is concerned, we prayed more last year than I think than ever before. It was during the pandemic that our early morning prayer was birthed. And it has greatly enhanced and added to our church's prayer life. As far as power is concerned, God enabled us as a church and as individuals to get through the worst of the pandemic. During the course of the year, we heard many testimonies of what God was doing in people's lives. And of course, as a church, we saw the power of God in many different ways. As far as presence is concerned, there is no doubt whatsoever that God was with us as a church. The presence of God was with us. In our services, in spite of the lockdowns and the shutdowns and the openings and the shutdowns, and in spite of the pandemic, God was with us in the services that we were able to hold even though it might have been limited to some degree because of all the other stuff that was going on. But whether it was in our live streaming of our services or whether it was in person when they opened up and you know, ended up closing and opening again, regardless of, of what the method was, God was with us during those times and his presence was evident. We had some great services under lockdown. When only 10 of us were able to be in this building, we had some great services. And um, those of you who were watching online at the time, I am sure you can attest uh, to that fact that we did experience God's presence. But not only that, in all of our virtual and online meetings as well, um, which are still going on, by the way, we sensed God's presence um, in, in uh, many ways and on many of those occasions. Whether it was our prayer meetings, or whether it was our Bible studies, or Sunday school, that's adult, and then children came online later, and resuming today, as I said. If it was, whether it was the men's ministry, the women's ministry that held some events, or the counselor's meeting that was also on Zoom. Even our Toastmasters were meeting and still are meeting via Zoom. And Brother Reg in Body and Soul Ministry is having exercises, exercise classes via Zoom. And I believe the presence of God has been with us in all of these ways that we have sought to minister to our people during the course of 2020. So I, I definitely believe that that theme of prayer, power, and presence was fulfilled in the life of this local church. Now, since last October, I told the pastoral staff that we will continue with the same theme for 2021 because I didn't feel that God was finished with it yet. And uh, 
I can't remember whether it was a morning prayer meeting or whether it was a Friday night uh, prayer meeting, but I was saying a few things at the end of the prayer meeting, and uh, uh, God gave me this word. I wasn't thinking about it. Um, I didn't intend to say it. It just came out by who I believe was the Holy Spirit. And that word was, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And that word never left me from the morning that I spoke it. Now, Minister Tracy has taken that word for herself. For sure. She has said that's her word. But God said, the best is yet to come. And then I began to put, over time, to put two and two together as to why God said that. And as I continued praying about the theme for 2021, whether, we would, whether it would be exactly as it was um, in 2020 or not, this word kept resonating in my spirit. The best is yet to come. And finally, in December last year, the Lord gave me the final wording for the 2021 theme. And that's what you see up there. Greater prayer, greater power, and greater presence. The same three, prayer, power, and presence, but this year to a greater degree. Greater prayer, greater power, and greater presence. So I say to you today as a local church that I firmly believe that the Lord wants to do greater things for us, in us, and through us in 2021. That's what I am absolutely convinced about for this new year. And along with that, God gave this scripture that we are using along with the theme from John 14 verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, during the week of prayer, our theme for that week was deeper prayer and greater works. And that tied right into our overall theme for 2021. And so I want you to go with me to the text that I read at the beginning, John chapter 14, and I want to share with you how this theme, greater prayer, greater power, greater presence, is laid out in this text of scripture to encourage us and to teach us as it relates to this 2021 theme. Now before we get into the scripture itself, I just want to point out from those verses that the first thing Jesus established in this text was that when it comes to the works of God, the Father is the source of our words, what we say, and also of our works, what we do. God the Father is the source of it all. When it comes to anything that's kingdom related, God is the source. What we have, what we receive, we receive it from him. He's the one who gives us our assignments. He's the one who gives us our power. He's the one who enables us to fulfill our assignments, to do the works that he has called us and uh, uh, assigned to us to do. So Jesus makes this very clear to his disciples. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. 
Jesus said, do you, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? He says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. So Jesus says, the works that you see me do, the words that you hear me speak, the source of it all is the Father. He's the one who gives me what I ought to speak, and he's the one who empowers me to do what he wants me to do. And then in verse 11, he says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. In other words, even if you have a problem believing that I am in the Father and the Father in me, look at the works. The works that I do will testify of something or somebody greater than the human body that you are looking at. Check out the quality. Check out the power. Check out the works themselves. They will testify that God Almighty is at work in me and through me. The Apostle Paul also caught this truth as he wrote in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So right away, you know, uh, uh, unless we get carried away in thinking of ourselves as being more than we actually are, or to start attributing the things that God does through us or God uses us to do as something that we do in and of ourselves, something that we do because of our power, because of our ability, you know, and uh, 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 we accomplish what we accomplish simply because of us. Uh, uh, unless, Jesus says, unless you get that kind of an idea that you are responsible for the works that's going to happen through you, he's speaking to his disciples now, Unless you get mixed up, when these things start to happen and you start to see these great works being done and think that it is you that's responsible for doing it, please understand that God the Father is the source of it all. And that way, no man can take any kind of glory or any kind of credit for what is done. The only thing that we are are instruments through which God works. We are instruments in the hand of God doing the work that God wants done. And so we can't walk around patting ourselves on the back or waiting for other people to pat us on the back and take credit for what is done. Because if it wasn't for God's doing, if it wasn't for God's working, we would simply be unable to do anything for God. Remember what Jesus said? He said, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing nothing so Jesus establishes that and makes that very clear and I want to do the same thing before we proceed anything that happens any greater works that happens during the course of this year in this church or through this church in you or through you as a believer God is the source of it all all right so let's look at our theme then as it is connected to this portion of scripture in John chapter 14 Greater prayer, greater prayer is number one. Jesus says in verses 13 and 14, 
And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. In those verses, Jesus introduces the teaching and the power of praying in his name. He introduces the teaching and the power of praying in his name. And what he's saying to his disciples is, when I leave this place, when I go back to heaven from whence I came, you are going to, to need to pray greater prayers than you are praying now. And you are going to need to be assured that the prayers that you are praying are prayers that will be productive. Prayers that will be power-packed and power-filled. And so Jesus introduces them to praying in his name. And the reason for teaching them this and for revealing this to them is so that they can engage in a level of prayer that they had not known before. They never prayed the way Jesus is teaching them now to pray. And he introduces them to something very, very powerful that was going to enhance their prayer life. Now let me say that no other religion's founder or leader ever taught them, ever taught or authorized his followers to pray in his name. None. No other religion, no other religious leader ever told or taught his disciples or followers to pray in their name. Islam doesn't. Elijah Muhammad never instructed the followers of Islam to pray in his name. It's not there. Buddhism, Siddhartha Gautama, the founder of Buddhism, never instructed Buddhists to pray in his name. Confucius, founder of Confucianism, he never instructed his followers to pray in his name. Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i Baha faith, he never instructed the followers of the Baha'i faith to pray in his name either. Zoroaster, the founder of Zoroastrianism, he never instructed the followers of that religion to pray in his name either. Hinduism, the Brahman of Hinduism, the main god of Hinduism, uh, who manifests himself in many other gods and goddesses, 600 million of them. Never one time are uh, the followers of Hinduism instructed to pray in the name of any of those gods. Rastafarianism, to bring it a little closer home. Rastafarianism, Haile Selassie, never instructed or taught Rastas to pray in his name. Never. No other religious leader ever gave that kind of instruction. Jesus was the first one, and Jesus is the only one who gave that instruction to his followers and to his disciples. When you pray, pray in my name. And it's because, as I said, but let me repeat it, that Jesus knew that they were going to have to be able to pray on a greater level than they were used to praying. Don't forget now, remember that classic moment in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus went to pray and he took Peter, James, and John with him to pray along with him 
or to just be there and watch along with him. They couldn't make it. They couldn't survive. They didn't have the kind of prayer power and the kind of prayer strength to remain there praying with Jesus the whole time that he prayed that night before he was arrested. And so Jesus knew that if they were going to be successful at prayer, if they were going to see the productivity of prayer, if they were going to see the kind of results that they would need to see as his followers and those who would accept the baton from him and accept the mantle from him, he knew that they were going to have to pray on a higher or a greater level. And so he introduces this to them. When you pray, pray in my name. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, the apostle Paul writes, he says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the Bible makes it very clear that there is no other name that can be compared to the name of Jesus. There is no other name that is equal to the name of Jesus. No other name of anything or no other name of any person can compare to the name of Jesus or is equal to the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, he says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, that Jesus Christ is the greater one. The greater one. And so established in the scripture is the truth that Jesus taught to his disciples about the power of his name and praying in his name. Let me read a couple of the scriptures when Jesus uh, continues to teach them the same thing. Mark chapter 16 verses 17 and 18. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus says that in his name, greater works will happen. Supernatural works will happen. Supernatural things will be done in and through his name. And what Jesus does in giving this teaching to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, he gave to them the power of attorney. The power of attorney is a legal written authorization to represent or act on another's behalf in private affairs, business, or some other legal matter. The person authorizing the other to act is the principal grantor or donor of the power and the one authorized to act is the agent that's what Jesus gave us when he gave us his name 
when he was teaching his disciples that you ask now in my name, you pray in my name, you work in my name, he said, I am giving you the power of attorney to act in the earth on my behalf. I am giving you authority, spiritual authority to act in my name, to speak in my name, to work in my name, to lay hands on the sick in my name, as he says here in Mark 16, and to do many wonderful works in my name. He gives us the power of authority. So when we speak in the name of Jesus, it's just like Jesus speaking. Now, you don't become Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I said it is just like Jesus speaking because he has given us the power of attorney to use his name. If I had to go in court to represent a client, and for those uh, uh, lawyers who were here, you would know exactly what I'm saying. If I was to go into a court to represent a client as a lawyer, that client, in some cases doesn't necessarily need to show up to court. Once the legal document is signed that the attorney, me as the attorney, has been given the authority to speak and to act on that client's behalf, that's valid in the courtroom. And so when I go into the court, I speak as a representative of the person, but my words that are spoken in the court is just as valid as though that person was there speaking themselves. So Jesus says to us, I'm going back to heaven. I, 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 I've got to leave this earth. I've got to go back. My work is done. But I am leaving you with the power of attorney to act on my behalf, to use my name, to pray in my name. I am giving you the ability for greater prayer, a greater level of prayer by using the delegated authority that I've given you to use my name. That's awesome. And that is a very powerful thing. Jesus continues in John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, he says, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. In chapter 16 of John, verses 23 and 24. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Because he wasn't going to be there. You will ask me nothing. That's in person. You will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. There was no need to ask anything in his name because he was present. He was there. If they needed to ask anything, they could simply ask him directly. But he's speaking about the time when he would not be physically present. And he says, up to now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, let's look at two examples of that in the scriptures, in the book of Acts in particular. Peter and John are on their way into the temple to pray. And they meet a lame man at the gate, beautiful. The lame man asks Peter and John for alms to help the poor, help the poor. 
But the Bible says in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. For most of us, if that same scenario presented itself again, we would dig in our pocket or purse and drop some coins in the cup. Because that's what we have. But we also have something else. We're going to get there in a second. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But Peter says, I don't have any silver and gold. I don't have any coins to put in your cup. But what I do have. See, I know what I do have. I know what I don't have. But I also know what I do have. And he says, but what I do have, I'm going to give it to you, brother. What I know I have, I'm going to give it to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus, Peter got the lesson. Peter understood the lesson. Peter saw the revelation. Peter got the truth. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he exercised the power of attorney using the name of Jesus in this situation and it resulted in the greater work through the power of the name. Now he's not kneeling down on his knees praying somewhere but he is still making a, a prayer kind of declaration using the authority of the name of Jesus. Another example we see in Acts chapter 6 is in Acts chapter 16. Paul is going about his daily task of doing ministry. And for many days, there was a young lady that followed them around. And the, the, the young lady just, just kept saying that these men are the messengers of the Most High God. And it sounded good. As a matter of fact, it was right. She was correct. That's exactly who they were. But then, but then Paul discerned that this was not genuine. This was actually a mocking of who they were. And a spirit of divination was actually working in the girl because she was possessed. And the Bible says that Paul stopped one day and turned around. And in chapter 16 verse 18, the Bible says Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit i command you in the name of jesus christ to come out of her and he came out that very hour that's the power of the name of jesus and jesus said to the disciples that's the name that i'm telling you to pray in because you need to experience prayer on a greater level than you have been experiencing it up to this moment and so as a church in 2021, I firmly believe that God wants us to experience a greater level of prayer as we utilize the all-powerful name of Jesus. You know, sometimes there are persons who pray, and when they finish their prayer, they just say amen. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus says, when you pray, you pray in my name. That's why at the end of our prayers, we say in the name of Jesus. Because the petitions that we have just sent up to God, we seal those petitions by using the name that Jesus told us to use. His name, 
in the name of Jesus, amen. In the name of Jesus, we make a positive declaration of faith when we add amen. Because amen simply means so be it. You know, I had to chuckle at first. And then I got dead serious. Last week when I heard the chaplain in the House of Representatives in the United States of America where they are considering banning all references to gender. So there'll be no more male and female. There'll be no more brother and sister. No more mother and father. No more man and woman. Gender differences done away with. And as a chaplain, as a chaplain, he ended his prayer by saying, Amen and a woman. You see why you had a riot out there the other day? The devil is working up there. The devil is working up there. I mean, everybody blaming on Donald Trump, and he probably was to blame, but the devil is at work. Because in that same house, you had this kind of nonsense being declared by somebody who represents God. In that same house. And it was God who said... I have made the male and female. God established the gender difference. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. God established gender. God created gender. But we believe we have the audacity and the authority to change it. The devil is a liar. Don't bring that here to the Bahamas, please. Keep that out of this place. That's just an aside. It costs nothing. You don't pay no taxes for that one. But that's where the world is headed. That's where the world is headed. That's where the great United States of America is headed unless a revival breaks out over the 50 states of America. I'm telling you. The devil is at work. And so Jesus says, in my name, greater prayer. Secondly, the second part of the theme is greater power. In John chapter 14 verse 12, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to my father. Now, let me begin by saying in reference to this, that greater works require greater power. If you are going to do something greater, you need greater Power, greater ability in order to accomplish it. What you accomplish on a certain level with a certain level of power is not going to be enough 
for you to move to the next level and begin to accomplish things on a greater level. So greater works require greater power. But before I go into this any further, let me establish something that's very, very important. There is no work that we can do that is greater than what Jesus did while he was here on the earth. I'm going to have to break this open a little bit. I can't go too deep. But there is no work that Jesus did that we can do greater than. So we have to explain that. You see, if you think about numbers, if you think about the number 1 to 10, all of them are numbers, right? All of them are numbers. But as you begin to count, as far as we have been taught in school, the number two is greater than the number one. The number three is greater than the number two and the number one. The number ten is greater than all the numbers from one to nine. So as we ascend in our counting, our numbers become greater. Right? If I was a minister in the government's cabinet, I would have a title as a minister of whatever area or whatever my portfolio might be. But there is a minister in the cabinet who is referred to as the prime minister. Now, while we are both men, both human beings, in that area of the government and the cabinet, the prime minister occupies a position that is greater than mine. So when we sit around the table, even though we are equal as men, we are equal as human beings, to function around that table, he is greater than I am as a minister. He is the prime minister. Now that's how we think when we think greater as far as our English understanding of the word. Greater in that sense. But Jesus, what he's talking about, when he says, when he says that we will do greater works than he did, keep in mind now, Jesus turned water into wine. When last you tried it. Some of us might like that ability. I pray to God you don't. Jesus cleansed ten lepers one time without speaking a word. All he said was go show yourself to the priest. He never said leprosy be healed. Ten at one time. He calmed the storm. He can't even calm a wind from blowing. He fed approximately 10,000 persons with a little boy's lunch. We brag today in this pandemic uh, environment about feeding 2,000 people. With all kind of food. Jesus fed almost 10,000 with a little boy's lunch. He walked on the sea. And he raised three persons from the dead. When last did you try it? I remember when my aunt died. My aunt who was my second mother. When she died. It was very, very painful. 
Nobody knew this. I don't even know if my brother knows this because I'm not sure I ever said it to them. But we went to Butler's funeral home to do the viewing. And I went up to see her. And I stood before that casket. And I put my hand on her forehead. And I said, Auntie, arise. I know you all always thought I was crazy. You know I'm crazy now, right? <laughs> Said, Auntie, Auntie, arise. And she ain't moved. She, 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 did not, she did not move. But at least I tried. You know? At least I tried. And I wasn't even as mature of a Christian as I am now when she died. You know, but I read that verse and I said, Jesus raised the dead and he said, the works that he do, we shall do also. So at least I tried. So when we talk about greater works then, what are we talking about? The Greek word works that Jesus refers to, the works that I do, is the Greek word ergon, and it refers to tasks and acts. Tasks and acts. When Jesus came into this world, he was given an assignment by the Father. And in fulfilling that assignment, there were various acts that he had to do. Various works that he did in the course of fulfilling that assignment. So Jesus says, the works that I do, and you could think of them all. I listed some of them there just now. The works that I do, Jesus said, you shall do also. Not in and of yourself. Not by your own strength or your own ability and stuff like that. But he simply says, the works, the tasks that I did in representing the Father on the earth, the acts of power that were displayed through me, these are the works. Jesus said, these works you shall do also. And then he says, greater works than these. Greater works, the phrase is the Greek mitzon, which means to a greater degree or more than. Not, not greater, there is no greater work than raising the dead. Unless you're going to kill them after you raise them from the dead. But what Jesus is saying is, the greater works is more than I have ever done. The same works that I did, I will empower you to do. And greater works than I did, will you be able to do in the sense that, there is so much more that you are going to accomplish. In other words, if one person is healed by, by the power of God, if I healed one person, because there's going to be so many more of you down through the centuries, so many more people will be healed. It's the same work that Jesus did. But now instead of one person doing it, you will have 10,000 believers doing the same work. 
In the preaching of the word and the gospel, in the teaching of the gospel, Jesus is saying, I was only one person able to spread and teach the word of God one person at a time, just me one. But then a hundred thousand of you are doing the same thing that I did, then the world will be departed, impacted to a greater degree. So the preaching of the gospel will be done on a greater scale, uh, on a greater level than what I was able to do. As I mentioned, Jesus was one person who ministered for three and a half years. But he was speaking to 12 men who would minister for decades after he had gone to heaven. And so the works that Jesus did in that three and a half year period of ministry would be multiplied hundreds of times as these apostles would then go out and do the works that he did. And because it was way more than just him, then the multiple works will be done. Greater works. Jesus was limited to one physical body. One man in one body. He could only be one place at one time. But these men and those who would come after them would multiply to become millions of bodies around the world over the centuries. So what Jesus was able to do, they would also do, but because it would be so much more of them, the greater work would be done through them. Greater than what Jesus did. Not that the quality of the work is greater. But it's greater because it's so many more of us who are able to do the work that Jesus did. Greater works than these. Jesus was confined to one country, the land of Israel. That's where he lived and that's where he ministered. North Palestine, southern Palestine was the confines of his ministry. And he was able to do what he was able to do within the confines of that one country. But when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said to them, go ye into all the world. So he impacted one country. The disciples would impact the world. The works that he did in one country would be done on a greater level by his apostles and those who followed them throughout the world. So greater works will be done. The works that this church has done over the years have been great works. Great works. But it doesn't have to stop there. It doesn't have to end there. That doesn't have to be where our legacy comes to an end. Because those of us who are here now and those who will come after us, if they engage in doing the same type of work, that God instructed to be done in this house and through this house and by this house, if those who come after and the generation now accept the responsibility, accept the baton and accept the mantle, then greater works. Listen to me. This is now our 86th year as a church. Greater works that was done in the past 86 years can be done in the next 86 years if we accept the responsibility to do it. Greater works is what Jesus is talking about. And so then, when we work together, here's the principle. When we work together and combine our efforts in ministry, we employ a greater level of God's power through us, which enables us to do greater works 
and accomplish more for the glory of God. Please, I need you to get this. Jesus opened a blind eye. If I open a blind eye by the power of God, I have not done a work that was greater than Jesus. I did the same work that he did. But if a hundred of us minister and open a hundred blind eyes, then a greater work than Jesus did was done. That's what he's teaching. And so when we work together, we accomplish more. We accomplish the greater, the greater work that Jesus said would be done. Let me read a couple of scriptures in that regard. In Joshua chapter 23, verse 10, it says, One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. With the help of God, he says to Joshua, one of you will chase a thousand of your enemies. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30, it says, How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? Moses is saying that when God, when God fights against our enemies, one of us will be able to chase a thousand of our enemies and two of us will be able to put 10,000 of our enemies to flight. That's the principle that's being taught. The more of us, the greater the work. The more of us engage, the greater the work. In Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8, it says, Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. That's greater work. That's what Jesus is talking about. We need to get this. It's not about me doing a work that's greater than Jesus did. It's about me doing the same work that Jesus did. And then I bring a hundred of my brothers along with me. Then greater work than just that one work that Jesus did will be done. I can pray alone and God can do great things. Such as was done in the life of Elijah the prophet. But if a hundred of us are praying. Then we position ourselves for a greater work to be done. For greater answers to come to our prayers. And this is the greater, the greater that Jesus is talking about. Greater prayer and greater power. The more of us that are working together, the more power we have at work. The more power of God is able to be employed. If me one, uh, me one is working, then I can only minister in the level of power that's upon me. But if ten of us are working together on the same work, on the same task, on the same act, then that's ten times the power that can be at work. And so greater things can be done. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, the Bible says about the believers of that day. People were complaining when they went to from town to town. And the Bible says in Acts 17 verse 6, that the people said, those or these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jesus only ministered in Palestine, the land of Israel. Now the world, the cities are saying, the other cities outside of Jerusalem where the word has gone, the apostles has gone, the message of Jesus has gone, the works of Jesus are now there. The people are saying, these who have turned the world upside down. 
Jesus turned Palestine upside down. The believers turned the world upside down. Greater works than these shall you do, Jesus said. So that's greater power. That's what we believe in God for this year. Greater prayer and greater power. Greater works because of greater power in the name of Jesus. And then the third part of the theme is greater presence. Greater presence. Greater prayer, greater power, greater presence. Jesus says in verses 16 and 17, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. God's presence in the Old Testament we see exhibited in certain ways. The first one I want to mention has to do with God's presence in the temple. The Old Testament temple. God's presence in that Old Testament house of God. God told Moses to build uh, the, the temple and to build in that temple a holy of holies. A most holy place. And in that most holy place he was to build an ark of the covenant. And set that Ark of the Covenant up in that Holy of Holies or Most Holy Place. And God said that when that Ark is set up, I want you to put two cherubim on top of the Ark facing each other with their wing, their wing tips facing each other as well. And God said above that mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, in between the outstretched wings of the cherubim, I am going to dwell. My presence is going to be there. In Exodus 25 verse 22 it says it this way. And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony. So God's presence was in that holy of holies. God's presence was above that mercy seat, above that between the outstretched wings of the cherubim. Later on, Jewish rabbis and teachers began to refer to that presence as the Shekinah glory. That's where it came from. They referred to that presence of God in the temple as the Shekinah glory. And then another way in which the presence of God affected the lives of people was that he came upon different people for ministry. We've said this before. But he came upon people, the Spirit of God came upon people to enable them to minister. Let me just give you a couple examples. Judges chapter 6 verse 34 says, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. You know what Gideon did? Judges 11 verse 29, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. That's another judge. Judges 14 verse 6 it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. You know what Samson did. 1 Samuel chapter 11, 6, it says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul before he became king. And 2 Chronicles 24 verse 20 says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. Now I want you to keep in mind what we just looked at. The presence of God in that Holy of Holies, above the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, between the outstretched wings of the cherubim. It was localized. It was set in one place. And the Spirit of God only came upon people to do ministry and to do the works of God. 
when that assignment was done, the Holy Spirit left. There was no more need for him to be upon them because the work was done. The task was accomplished. It was fulfilled. But when it comes to us today, and this is why this is a greater presence, and this is why we ought to be expecting this year a greater presence of God. Because Jesus said to his disciples in verses 16 and 17, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. The old King James says another comforter, another advocate, another standby, another strengthener, another person who will be with you to help you to do what it is that I am giving you to do. And he names that helper as the spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit. And so he says that the presence of God will be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this presence is different from the Old Testament because Jesus says two things about the Holy Spirit and his presence. Number one, he says that he may abide with you forever. Unlike those men in the Old Testament and women in the Old Testament, when the work was done, the presence of the Spirit of God was done. Jesus said, not so with you. The presence of the Holy Spirit is going to be with you forever. And then he says, the second thing he says is, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Nobody in the Old Testament ever experienced the presence of God on this level. That the Spirit of God, the very Spirit of God would now occupy their human bodies. The very Spirit of God would now have their house, have their human bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Never before was it experienced by man. The Old Testament prophets didn't know it on this level and nobody who ministered for God knew it on this level. But God has chosen us. God has chosen this time. God has chosen this era, beginning with the teaching of Jesus Christ, that the presence of God will be experienced in a greater level because not only will he be with us, but he will now be in us. Greater presence. Greater presence. And so listen, my friend. If you don't, if you, if you aren't open to the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit, you need to get open now. Because this church is open to the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit. And I am expecting the Holy Spirit to work. I am expecting for there to be a greater presence of God in this house of God. A greater presence of God in our ministries. A greater presence of God in our classrooms. A greater presence of God on this compound. A greater presence of God in the lives of the people that make up this local church called Evangelistic Temple. I'm telling you, that's where we are headed and that's what we are going to experience. A greater presence of God in 2021 we are a church that believes in the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is not just a doctrine for us it's not just a teaching from the Bible for us the Holy Spirit is a very practical part of our lives as Christians that's what we believe the Holy Spirit is alive on the inside of us. He is not some dormant doctrine. He is the living third person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And so we are believing him in 2021 to be active in our church, to be active in our services, to be active in our meetings, and to be active in our lives. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't put out the Holy Spirit's fire. Allow the Holy Spirit to move and allow the Holy Spirit to work. Let me say something to you. As the pastor of this church, I do not control the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit. Don't look to me and say, Pastor, this has got to happen to Pastor. And Pastor got to do this. And Pastor got to do that. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be in you and me. A lot of times we wait around for, 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 for the Holy Spirit to do something in the pastor's life. And then we'll see something happen in the church. No, sir, that's not the way it operates. Every single one of us that named the name of Jesus, every single one of us that's been born again by the power and the Spirit of God, has the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us. It's only a matter of us yielding to the Holy Spirit, obeying the Holy Spirit, and a Allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he has been assigned by the Father to do in us and to do through us. We need that greater presence of the Spirit of God in our lives and in our church. And that's what I'm expecting and believing God for and I hope you are too. The Apostle John says, you are of God little children. And have overcome them. First John 4, 4. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The greater one is in us. So if the greater one is in us. That means we have a greater presence in us. Another translation says the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Another one says, the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. The greater presence of God, this is my point, the greater presence of God is already here. In the person of the Holy Spirit. It's only a matter of that manifestation of the Holy Spirit as we yield ourselves to him. And give him that opportunity to work. In us and through us. Greater prayer. Greater power. Greater presence for 2021. Last year at this time we were having church on a regular basis. Doing what we do. As church. We heard about COVID-19 somewhere in the distant parts of the world and some cases that had started to show up in the United States of America. But it wasn't until March until the first case showed up in the Bahamas. We didn't know any of this was, was going to happen on the scale that it did. And here we are again in January of 2021. Likewise, we do not know what this year holds. But we know the God who holds the year. And so we've got to be prepared for whatever comes our way. Whatever happens. We need greater prayer. We need greater power. We need greater presence. 
to be able to face and able to handle in a victorious manner whatever might come our way. And so we put together 21 declarations for the year 2020. When you leave the service today, you should get a calendar, a church calendar. Inside of that calendar, you would find these 21 declarations. If you don't get any by means of a calendar, just call the office. We'll make sure that you get one or we'll have some provided, uh, uh, printed out and provided in the foyer for next Sunday. But these are 21 declarations that we are making for this year, 2021, as we believe God. Greater prayer, greater power, greater presence. Let me go through these very quickly. I want to go through all 21 of them. Number one, I declare that evangelistic temple will grow spiritually and numerically. Declaration number two, I declare that the members and followers of evangelistic temple will seek a deeper walk with God. Get off that surface. Get out of the shoreline and go out into the deep. Get off of that surface and get into the content. Number three, I declare that signs, wonders, and miracles will manifest in our services, our ministries, and our personal lives. Four, I declare that the members and followers of Evangelistic Temple will experience the outpouring and infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Please, let me just pause, because you may not have been here on Friday night, but we heard the testimony of Brother Francisco Kula, how he had been seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I don't know how many times he said it to me, how he wanted to experience that in his life. But I want to tell you today, my friend, that man has received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so we are making this declaration over our church that many more of us because that's what we are about as a church that's who we are as evangelistic temple we are pentecostal to the core we believe in the baptism in the holy spirit we believe in speaking in other tongues and we are declaring over this church that many 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 more will receive that same baptism in the holy spirit let me go on number five I declare that every prophetic word spoken over evangelistic temple will manifest. And there have been many of those that are yet to manifest. Number six, I declare that our youth and our young adults will walk in their God-ordained purpose. Number seven, I declare that new, new, new ministries will be birthed in evangelistic temple along with leaders and workers so that no ministry will lack anything. Number eight, I declare that the Sunday school and children's church, let me broaden it a little bit from what's written here, children's ministries, period. I declare that they will grow exponentially. Number nine, I declare that every satanic agenda, plot, plan, and scheme against evangelistic temple is canceled, uprooted, destroyed, and rendered impotent, powerless, null and void in the name of Jesus Christ. Number 10, I declare that 
the seven pillars of evangelistic temple. Prayer, worship, fellowship, obedience, care, service, and outreach will be evident in our church and in our daily lives. Number 11, I declare that evangelistic temple will be on the cutting edge of ministry. Number 13, number 12, I declare that the nine spiritual gifts will operate in evangelistic temple and will be and we will be sensitive to the moving and work of the Holy Spirit. Number 13, I declare that evangelistic temple will impact our nation and the world with the word of God for the glory of God. Number 14, I declare that evangelistic temple's Spanish church will grow exponentially and be effective in ministry, reaching the Spanish-speaking members of our community. 15, I declare that our unsaved loved ones and backsliders are returning to the Lord in 2021. Number 16, I declare that Evangelistic Temple is a house of prayer and knows the heartbeat of God. Number 17, I declare that marriages in evangelistic temple are strong and stable. Number 18, I declare that temple Christian school, our beloved educational institution will function to its full capacity and the students will excel spiritually and academically. Number 19, I declare that the fear of God will return to the Bahamas. We are in our country now. That the fear of God will return to the Bahamas. Number 20, I declare that the peace and safety, I declare that peace and safety will return to the homes and streets of the Bahamas. And you've seen what's been going on in homes and streets in our country. And lastly, number 21, I declare that the economy of the Bahamas will steadily rebound and the businesses of the members of the evangelistic temple will prosper in 2021. Yeah, we had our setbacks. Yeah, we had our troubles. Yeah, we had our trials. Yeah, we had our shutdowns. Yeah, we had our lockdowns. Yeah, our businesses were closed. Yeah, our jobs were lost. Yeah, our income had to be stopped. Yeah, we were laid off. Yeah, we went through some difficult times. But this is a new year. This is a new year. Greater prayer, greater power, greater presence is ours in 2021. Come on, stand to your feet and give God some praise today.